Wonderful. So I want to spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit in the church. Um, I asked a group of people in the church. I was telling them I wanted to start talking about the Holy Spirit more, and I asked them, like, what, what are some ideas of things you might want me to hit? Just, just the doing it in community, you know, sermon prepping in community, which I usually avoid like the plague, but this time I thought I'd turn over a new leaf. And one of the people I asked just took days and days and days not responding, not responding, and she just she came to me and said, I'm not ignoring you. It's just when you ask me that question, I just want to say, like, you have to say everything because the Holy Spirit is, is God and is involved in everything. And so I feel like that right now. But I just want to read some scriptures for us asking the question, like, are you comfortable defining yourself in these scriptures as this being true about you kind of idea? So the Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit. There we go. Here's some things it says about the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So the Bible talks about people speaking in the Spirit, even just basic things like what your theology is. The Bible also talks about praying in the Spirit. It says praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplications in Ephesians 6, so you can pray in the Spirit. In Philippians, it talks about participating in the Spirit. It says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, says go on and have a like mind. In Colossians, it says you can love in the Spirit. In Galatians 5, this is pretty heavy in the Spirit chapter, it says you can walk by the Spirit, so you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. It says you can be led by the Spirit, so that you're not under law. It says you can live by the Spirit, in a way that you're keeping in step with the Spirit. So this is just kind of a random Bible search. But it seems pretty clear that normal Christianity is people believing in Jesus and considering themselves to be doing stuff in the Spirit. That, that's normal. That's biblical Christianity. I'm speaking in the Spirit. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm living by the Spirit. I'm being led by the Spirit. Okay, so I'm making this case, I'm making it short. You can go study it for yourself, but I do not believe the New Testament has a category for a non-spirit-filled Christian. I don't believe the New Testament has a category for a not-walking-in-the-spirit Christian who's a healthy person. Okay? And you can test this, and we can go back and forth on the emails. I'm really looking forward for my next email fight, where I've just like got my gentleness levels and my patience levels all cranked up to 11. And it still will always go bad. But just with this smattering of random, like, search the Bible for the phrase, in the Spirit... It seems like life is meant to be lived in the Spirit. And the story is like this. One of the, thing that, one of the things that makes 
um, the Christian faith, what Jesus taught us personally and through the apostles, so different than everything else is that we believe that the one true God is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe this, and it is a brain buster, and in some countries, confessing this will get you attacked physically as like a desecration of the theology of God. God is one, and he is not a man, and the true God did not have a son, because that would imply that he had some kind of relationship with a woman, which is a blasphemous statement to make. There are places in the world where this will get you attacked. But this is our faith, because Jesus came and taught and was honored, and the Father gave him his own name. When we say the Lord Jesus Christ, that title, the Lord, was God's name in the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, God gave him his own name, the Lord. The Father's like, I give you everything, including my own name. And then when Jesus went back up to heaven after rising from the dead, which is why he's not here, He sent his Holy Spirit, and he sent his Holy Spirit in such a way that Christians from the beginning have said, like, he's not just some kind of spirit. He's not an angel. He's not a demon. He's not just a big spirit. He is such God that we can and should treat him like God and even worship him as God. And so this is a whole Christian faith. To confess that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God, and they together are the one true God. And Christians took the first 400 years of church history to try to figure out how to talk about that right. So if it feels like I'm missing a spot, like there are just these long Nicene creeds, and I think a Chalcedon, somebody help me, any church historians around here? Shout it out, no? No? Whatever. For the first 400 years or so of the church, they were trying to figure out how to talk about Jesus being fully man and fully God, as well as how do you talk about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all being the one true God. So it's a big deal, but this is who we are as Christians. We believe this on paper. And if you're anything like my experience of North American Christians... The one person of the Trinity that we trust the least is the Spirit. True? There's something about a safety in confessing that you believe in God as long as he stays in heaven and doesn't mess up your church service. Right? And I like church services working. I like it when you press the clicker button and it responds. I love that stuff. However, this is where I'm coming from. And I may have been missing the boat for a bit, but, you know, better late than never. Historically, global tough times have been God's way of causing his people to rediscover the treasures that he has given them. In Christ and in Jesus. The global purpose of tough times whether it's war or disease or conflict or whatever it is, is to cause a church that has become independent and self-reliant and self-satisfied and all the selves to realize that they're not in control as they thought they were 
aren't as strong in themselves as they thought they were, and then to look in the scriptures afresh and rediscover that we have unlimited resources for life and godliness through what God has done for us in Jesus and the sending of the Spirit. That's kind of the point for us. If you experience a lot of anxiety, it's a call to seek the Spirit of God. I just wanted to say that at least once this morning, and this is an awkward time to say it, but now it's out. So, I'm starting this morning talking about the spirit of truth because there's so much to hit. I want to spend a long time here and probably the rest of my life in some sense. But I just want to start with what I think should be the most trust-building facet of the Holy Spirit for people in that the Spirit of God wants to tell you the truth and help you to believe it. It's part of his mission. He will never lie to you. And neither will the Father and neither will Jesus But the Spirit was sent by Jesus to help you know the truth. And we know in our hearts, we want the truth. Even when the truth is scary, even when sometimes we want to attack people who tell us the truth, you know, how did Jesus get killed? It was because he didn't stop telling the truth, you know. (laughs) We can be very violently opposed to the truth. We know in our heart of hearts, we don't want to live a lie. That's part of the enduring image of God that's in us. Even as fallen creatures, we would rather not be living a lie. And I just want to tell you this morning, the Spirit of God wants to lead you into the truth. So we're going to look at a few scriptures. I'm going to try to prove my point here. Let's start with one of the harder ones. The Spirit of Truth brings about conviction. Now, when I mean conviction, like in the world, conviction, what is that? When It's when the trial's over and they found you guilty and you're convicted and now you're a convict and now you're going to go do some bird time. You're going to pull a dime in the big house. Whatever people talk about. It's going to be a fish, whatever that means. I don't even know. But there is... We, we, we know in our hearts, we know that there is such a thing as right and wrong. True? We don't always believe there's right and wrong until someone kicks you in the shin, or they take your, your, your lunch money or whatever, and then we know that there's right and wrong. The one thing we sometimes want to face is that God has his own standard of right and wrong. And sometimes we're, we're usually, we're in the wrong side. But this terrible thing happened right at the beginning of human history called the fall, where man and woman aligned themselves against God and aligned themselves with God's great spiritual enemy, Satan. And it really broke our hearts, and it broke our minds, and it broke our bodies. And we know it broke our bodies because we get old and die. That's the big evidence from the God that something's wrong with the world. Who here wouldn't mind living forever in health? Anybody? Yeah, where would that desire even come from? Because it never happens. All of us want to live forever in a world where that never happens. Where would that desire even come from unless we know deep down something is desperately wrong with this world? 
We want to live forever because we were made to live forever and something's gone wrong. And our bodies testify to it and our souls testify to it and our minds testify to it. And Jesus said right before he went to heaven, when I go, I'm going to send the Spirit and he's going to do this work. And so why don't we just read together what Jesus told us the Spirit was going to do. This is in John chapter 27, starting verse 7, sorry, 16, starting verse 7. Nevertheless, he says, I tell you the truth. What does Jesus do? Trust people who tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. That means that Jesus is going to go really definitively crack the power of Satan to control this world through deception. And he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, ding, 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 he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I want to point out a few things from this passage. Number one, I just want to talk about the goodness of being convicted that you're sinning. Are you on, are you on the boat with me? Are you getting on this, the train with me on this one? It is so good to be to come to, to realize that you're doing something wrong in God's sight. Uh, I would not be here at all if the Holy Spirit didn't do this for me. I didn't grow up churched, didn't grow up Christian. Everything I knew about Christianity, I learned from Hollywood, so I was completely deceived. Am I right? You know what I mean? Those guys don't like us. It's because they like little children. True fact. Anyhow, when I was becoming an adult... I had all these Christian friends, and their parents were praying for me. And I moved away from all my friends. I moved to another town. I was in a school, and there was this, this was before I met my wife, a long time before, and there was this gal around the corner from where I lived who I was, like, had a crush on, okay? And, but I was super shy, and so I would catch myself um, fantasizing that she had a boyfriend. I've told this story before, but this is for the new ones. If you can survive this story, then we'll be okay. If after this story, you're like, there's lots of good churches in town. I agree with you. (laughs) But she was living around the corner. She had a boyfriend, and I caught myself fantasizing that he would, like, mistreat her as a boyfriend and like rough her up or treat her bad. And then I could come jumping in there and do the whole fisticuffs thing and crack him over the face one time. And he would secretly have like some kind of wasting bone disease and so actually go down when I hit him. And then she would do the whole, oh, my hero thing. And I didn't know it at the time, but I'm pretty sure it was the Spirit of God talking to me as an unbeliever. 
and I realized that even though I thought I liked this girl, I was actually wishing that someone would do her harm so that I could personally benefit from it. You tracking with me? I hope something bad happens to her so that I could swoop in and become a hero. That is disastrously selfish and wicked and evil. And the Holy Spirit just like tapped my heart and just said, isn't there something wrong with you for wanting that? And I, it started me on this like desperate journey to try to figure out how to fix myself. And I got into Eastern religion and I was doing some Tai Chi stuff because the idea of doing a triple backflip and throwing a fireball was really appealing. Again, selfish. But then found out that they deep down don't have a sense that there is such a thing as right and wrong, but everything is just the Tao and everything's just everything. They're pantheists. Everything is God, so everything that exists is equally God and there no, is no real sense of difference between wanting to beat up your girlfriend or wanting to be married to your girlfriend because it's all just whatever is is God. And I found that really repellent. Like, that can't be right that there's no such thing as good and, and evil. That, that can't be right. Like, look in your heart. That can't be right. Right? Like, there, there is a difference between children's ministry and Auschwitz, right? There is a difference. And you can't just say eh, opinion or culture or preference. And so... I became the least likely person to get saved after this, and I started talking to my Christian friends about their faith, and I really didn't like it because as the more they talked about God, the more I realized that if what they said about God was true, then I was in so much trouble. And what I did was that I actually started diving harder core into the sins that I went to to like self-medicate my emotions. You know, most of us have those like, I feel terrible, I need some sin to feel better sins. Anybody? Is it popping to mind right now what you do? Okay, I had a lot of those. And so I would talk to a Christian friend and I'd be like, so what does God think about this? And they'd be like, well, God loves sinners, but he hates to sin. And it'd be like, then I would go, anybody said that before? You know, trying to help people come to Jesus. God loves you. He just hates your sin. And I would be like, but I love my sin. So I'm in so much trouble, you know, because I am sin. Ah, I'm bad right down to here. Bad. Like when I look in here, I want to do bad. And I've, I've told you this story, and my friends kind of gave up on me ever coming to Jesus because I was so evasive and resistant. And so they gave me a book, and in the book, uh, C.S. Lewis just described what Jesus can do for somebody with an evil heart. Is you can come to him, and he will take the sin out of your heart. Because he's died for sin, he can forgive you. He can be your friend instead of your judge. Amen? Because of the cross, because he died for sins, Jesus can be your best friend instead of your worst nightmare. And because of his love for us, he can transform you from the inside out and give you a new heart. And then I found out afterwards that you actually like get to live forever too, which was a bonus, you know? That's, oh, you also get to go to heaven when you die? I didn't care at all. When I came to Jesus, I'm just like, I don't want to be a living garbage dump on the inside. And he said, I love you and I can change you. And I just said, I'm in. But it all started with the Holy Spirit convicting me that there is such a thing as sin. And now, having seen the whole journey, I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit loved me enough to come to my dorm room 
one night and just say, Rob, you're not doing okay. You're not okay and you can't fix it. I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit told me the truth. Oh, guys, don't you want the truth? And to hear the truth from somebody who loves you and forgives you and wants you and will have you and will bear with you and will help you and will keep you, that is the best truth you'll ever hear. 100% accurate, no rejection. That's good stuff. Well, the Holy Spirit also does stuff for people when they're in the family. Once you're, once you're in, kind of in, once you're in. And this is from another book. It was a church. They're having lots of Holy Spirit stuff, lots of tongues, too much tongues. There's such a thing as too much tongues. It's a timing issue, not a quantity issue. It's a timing issue. Like everything, timing is everything. And he's trying to help them not be proud. And he's trying to help them not love the wisdom of the world and be competing with each other in the ways that the world competes with each other. But he also wants them to know that the Holy Spirit actually does want them to grow in wisdom and intelligence. And so he describes the process of what the Holy Spirit does inside of believers. And he says this. These things, meaning what God has accomplished through Jesus, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us. Now there's a lot to unpack here, and this is where it's going to get messy, and I'm sorry, and let's go. So Paul's trying to get this church to understand that if you want to be smart, and if you want to be wise, and if you want to be intelligent, why not put all your chips in having the Holy Spirit make you smart in the things of Christ, and make you intelligent in the accomplishments of the Father, and make you wise in the things of the Spirit, instead of platonic philosophy or whatever was important back then, which nobody even knows about. These guys were killing each other over Plato. And people don't even know what Plato is, except for that stuff you smush through the spaghetti thing, which is really cool. Not connected at all. But he uses this example of the Spirit searching all things. And this is where it's really important for us to like challenge how we think about the Spirit. Because... A hardcore searcher, this is a person, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a divine person, but he's a person. We shouldn't think of him like he's some kind of like weird AI program. You know, sometimes I think, anybody ever watch Iron Man or any of the Iron, like 50 million movies of Iron Man? And they have that one scene where it goes into the Iron Man mask and they're flashing all those lights on his face and he's talking to Jarvis or whatever. The Holy Spirit is not Jarvis. He's not just like Google shawarma after we save the world. He's a divine person. He is God. He's Jesus but invisible. And he searches all things, including the depths of the thoughts of the Father. 
How can anything search the depths of the thoughts of the Father unless he is God himself? Can you do that? Where would you even go to start? Okay, God, I want to find out all your secret thoughts and desires. Where would you even begin? But the Holy Spirit of God has searched out all things, the past and the future, the height and the depth, all physics, all biology, all chemistry, all sociology, all psychology, all theology, even to the most secret hidden places of the purposes of the Father. And he doesn't just like mind read it. He searches, he inquires, he asks, he examines, he thinks, he feels, he evaluates all things. He's a divine person. And he lives in you. Crazy. Now sometimes you might think that the persons of the Trinity are in competition. I don't want to be excited about the Spirit. What if Jesus feels neglected? What if the Father feels less worshipped? Anybody? You know, we can feel like that, especially if you have three kids. Do they ever compete? (laughs) you got to love them all equal, which means treating them all different. True fact? It's not easy. But this is what I'm thinking about this. If somebody comes up to me after the sermon and says, Rob, I just love your Spirit when you're preaching. Would it make sense if I felt rejected? Oh, you love my spirit? What about my face? <laughs> I ironed this shirt too. Didn't say anything about that. What about my liver? My kidneys. They've been cleansing my blood the whole time. You don't, you don't like that? some praise. No, when when you say, like, I love your heart, or you love your spirit, we know instinctually that people are saying, we like the real you. True? And when we welcome the Spirit of God, when we love the Spirit of God, when we trust the Spirit of God, according to this passage, we're trusting the real Father. And if you can talk like that, I'm on a, I'm, I'm over the edge. But if we welcome the Holy Spirit, we're welcoming The Father's heart present with us. When you welcome the Holy Spirit, you're welcoming the true Jesus. His heart, his own spirit present with us. So no competition, okay, amongst the Trinity. We love how they work together. We love how they do different things. The Spirit was not incarnate. Jesus was. We love that. But according to this passage, the spirit is that innermost part of a person who knows their real self. And by analogy, the Holy Spirit is the one who knows and is the very depths of the Father. And when we welcome him, we're welcoming who the Father really is. Cool. So the Holy Spirit brings that conviction we need. And the Holy Spirit is truly God and he's on mission. And let's just look at this passage again. And it says, We've received the Spirit, not of the world, but the Spirit that's from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us. God has given us so much in Jesus. 
full forgiveness, adoption as children, the promise of provision, a hope and a future, a family, reconciliation, empowerment, gifts, love. Can you say, honestly, looking in the mirror with Jesus standing beside you, doing his are you sure face, that you are completely living up to everything God has won for you in Jesus? Does your emotional life look like you know that God will never leave you or forsake you? I'm looking at me too. Does your church participation look like someone who has gone from the very depths of rejection from God and having a spot reserved for them in the lake of fire to knowing that right now you are seated with Christ in heavenly places and someday you will receive a new body that is a resurrection body that will never wear down or break down in any kind of way so that you'll be empowered to enjoy the full glorious presence of God without any interruption or any intermediary. Are, are we there 100%, 100%, Okay. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart and mind. He wants to help you understand with conviction everything God has freely given you in Jesus. This is what we call maturation. This is what we call growth. This is what we call getting stronger in Jesus, where we really, really start to get the truth of everything God has done for us. Because he's the spirit of truth. So you want to change? What do you need? You need the spirit of truth. Because when he comes in and starts going like, you're not seeing things right, and you got this wrong, then things start to change. And theologians have kind of called this illumination, particularly when we're understanding what God has written in his word, which is the word of the spirit, otherwise known as the Bible. This is good news. Because I know we feel like that sometimes. Something's missing. As Christians, do you ever feel like that? Something feels like it's missing. That feeling should be followed up with, oh, Holy Spirit. Show me what's really going on here. Your mission from Jesus is to help me 100% walk in everything Jesus has done. Show me the truth. And not just up here. You know, some people talk from head knowledge to heart knowledge. I don't care where it starts. It can start in toe knowledge as long as it gets everywhere. Fingernail knowledge. It's meant to be everywhere. We're not divided people. I know we talk about head, hands, heart, but we all know these things all influence each other. We're just one person. And so the Holy Spirit has come for our transformation. I made a picture and would you believe it? It didn't survive the formatting to get here again. How dare you, sir? <laughs> That's so brutal. Oh, God is kind. Picture, if you will. A photograph of a skyscape. And on the top half, it looks okay. It looks like a place you might want to be. But on the other half, it's dark. It's where you don't want to be. And it's almost like there's these two possibilities of how you live in life. One is bright and shiny and pretty good. And one is kind of like, well, 
a poop hole. And instead of just having the word faith kind of hovering there doing nothing, you saw these three words, faith, hope, and love, across the skyline of this awesome city, this place that you might want to be. But in the bottom, in like dark land where it ain't no great, it says fear, hate, and lust. Almost like there's two kind of ways that you can be led spiritually in this world. Either into an existence that is dominated by faith, hope, and love, or an existence that is dominated by fear, hate, and lust. And these are your only two options of how to live. Do you see it? Because it's not there. <laughs> You're going to have to use this jobby in behind the cranium. The spirit of truth really has come for our transformation that we long for. I get those three words, faith, hope, and love, from 1 Corinthians 13, the famous marriage passage that I'm never going to leave. But what's really going on in 1 Corinthians 13 is you have this church that's full of spiritual activity, speaking in tongues, prophesying, and they've kind of missed the most important thing, which is love. And so the Holy Spirit, writing through Paul, says to them, you know, when everything's said and done, you go home at the end of the day, or you go home at the end of your life, you know what's going to matter? Your faith and your hope and your love. Your faith in Jesus, your hope in the Father, and your love in the Holy Spirit. This is what really matters. And this is what your life joy is all about. And when you have these things, all your spiritual gifts are better. And all your spiritual gifts are towards creating more of faith and hope and love in other people. This is what matters. This is the kingdom of God. But without God and without the life of the Holy Spirit and without the grace of Jesus Christ, the substitutes are fear and hate and lust. If you don't have a God to trust when things get hard, all you have is people around you to mistrust. Because somebody's going to end up being the problem in your life if you can't trust God with the problems. When you don't have hope, that there is a bigger future, all you have is some, some people to hate. And most of us, do you hate people? Nah, 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 nah. What if I called it bitterness? What if I called it resentment? You know, these other things that grieve the Holy Spirit. What if I just call it unforgiveness? Well, this is normal. Yeah, that's the problem. And lust, maybe not even sexual, but lust is what we do when we're empty. We try to find some kind of desire that will finally fill us up, and we try to use creation or people to finally make us feel whole again. But the Holy Spirit came to give us love instead, to fill us up with Jesus and power so that we're not just using things and people all the time. Fill me, fill me, love me, make me feel whole. Instead, the Holy Spirit comes and he says, I fill you. Now you can be generous and you can love. I'm going to fix this picture and you're going to see it again until you're sick of it. But you're going to think about your life. Is this faith, hope, and love or is this fear, hate, and lust? And if it's those last three, it's not the life of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of Truth wants to come into your life, show you what's really going on. It might be painful. It'll probably be scary. But if you say yes, he will show you what's really going on. 
And then the doors to possibilities that you've never seen before will begin to open in your heart and your mind. And that life in the Spirit, which is meant to be normal for us, will start to feel normal for us. It's my hope. So here's boot camp. Here's my boot camp. You got to do. This is the thing. The Spirit's the do one. You can't just go home and go, nice sermon. You know, there is no nice sermon after this thing. Made you think. It doesn't matter. You know, you have to do something. We do have to do something. And it's going to be primarily a prayer thing because I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit. Number one, I want you to take the risk and say, Holy Spirit, is there anything you need to convict me of? Anything I'm doing wrong, feeling wrong, thinking wrong, can you convict me? Can you convict me there's something, there's something missing? I want to hear the truth from you, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit might make you have a feeling. He might make you have a thought. You might just two days later be like yelling at somebody. And Holy Spirit's like, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. He can get you, but the, you'll know it's him. Because it'll feel like this is important. And maybe you'll start seeing something in your heart or in your mind you didn't see there. Don't panic. God loves you and he wants to do you good. Other thing I want to invite you to pray pray is this. If there's any problems in your home or your work, I know you don't have any, but let's just say once every five years or so, there's some kind of trouble with child rearing and trouble in your marriage or trouble with being a child or trouble in your workplace. I want you to invite the Spirit of Truth to come and say, Spirit of Truth, show us what's really going on. So often our conflicts are because nobody actually understands what's happening. It could be a spiritual dynamic. There could be hurt from the past. There could be a misunderstanding. There's so many conflicts that are just misunderstandings. Two people looking at each other shouting, Why won't you listen? So in your family life, where it counts, I want you to ask the Spirit, show us what's really going on here. Because when you see the truth, it really does change things, doesn't it? Number three, I want us to start asking God to convict people in our city and our country about the truth. If the Holy Spirit doesn't convict people, our memes don't actually do much. I love memes. I think memes are the height of human communication right now. A picture and a sentence, and it says like a bazillion things. Plus, it's funny. Memes are the best. However, unless it's coupled with the life-giving spirit bringing conviction for change, it is useless. And I hope that we can just see afresh that 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 experience of somebody who's far from God or hard-hearted towards God or judgmental towards God or is just really hoping God doesn't exist, that, that sense of needing Jesus that the Holy Spirit creates in us through that conviction isn't something we need to rescue people from. It's part of the rescue. And we don't have to be angry at anybody. We just need the Holy Spirit to help people see what's really going on. I would be dead. Guys, I 
I'm not joking right now. I look at my old heart and I think I was a suicide case for sure. Because I was heading into activities that would lead to big crimes and I was just so mentally fragile that if my crimes had been exposed, I would have sought refuge in death. I am convinced. Just knowing my own heart. And I was saved by God saying, Rob, there's something wrong with you until I believed him. And finally, I just want to call us to get into the Bible, not for brownie points and not so that you don't feel guilty, but to go open the word of God and say, Spirit of truth, help me understand everything you want me to get from your word. Amen? So I'm going to invite Jackie to come up and share a thought or two. Kelsey's just going to turn this mic on as well. I just thought it might be helpful. Here is somebody who uh, is probably one of the great helping me see things as they actually are people in my life. A great truth teller. And I just thought I'd invite her to share a thought or a testimony about this topic. Um, Yeah, Rob asked if I would put some legs on this for the women. And that is easier said than done being married to an internal processor because he's not the type of pastor that like paces back and forth and like practices his sermon. I have no idea. I'm as surprised as everybody else when I sit down on Sunday morning. And so I knew he was talking about the spirit of truth and the Lord was speaking to me about um, trusting in him and his truth this week. So I want to just have an invitation here to invite us women um, to trust the spirit of truth. We desperately need the spirit of truth in our lives. And I think a reason we can forget is because we're kind of good at life in some ways. Like, for instance, mom gut. Lynn, you know mom gut? Like that gut instinct, Lisa? Mom gut? Like we have that, right? Um, A couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, Timmy was on a play structure that was far too high. And I was trying to be like good adventurous mom and let him be up there and try not to be controlling and uh and he was with our other kids and everything but he made a silly move and he fell through a hole in the floor and landed on his tailbone five feet down and this horrible guttural sound came out of him and he's quiet when he gets hurt and so the fact that there was this like awful sound coming out we knew there was something really wrong that had happened And my instinct was to grab him, and I sat down on the ground, and I just held him, and he hung on to me for dear life, didn't cry, because he hates crying. And and just the difference in how Rob and I responded, Rob's like, we need the emergency room now, and uh, he wants to fix it, right? Dads want to fix it. And I was like, hold on, hold on, like, mom gut is kicking in, I need to feel this out. And I just held him, and I'm thinking... And I'm feeling, and I'm like, nope, he's going to be okay. Like, I can tell. I just knew nothing was broken, but he was scared. And he didn't walk for the next four days, but he's also a little bit of a drama queen and uh, doesn't mind the attention when he's hurt. And um, in the end, he ended, I had a pediatrician appointment. He got an x-ray. Guess what? Everything was fine, and mom gut was correct. Um, another thing that we have is, like, I don't know if there's a better term for this, but, like, vibe sensors. Like, we walk in a room, and we can, like, sense how everyone's doing and like if I ask Charlotte how she's doing and she says okay I'll be like what do you really mean like I can tell there's a look in your eye it's not quite okay right but if I say okay to Rob he'd be like great (laughs) glad you're okay (laughs) we have 
We have the vibe sensors. And so it's easy to wake up in a day and feel like we can get through the day without the spirit of truth because we have these, like, instincts, right? But the Bible actually has this, like, really killer verse. 1 Timothy 2.14, it says, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Um, A really sobering reminder, and I think we can swallow it, ladies, that we're not always right. And especially when it comes to our feelings, feelings can really lie to us. And so without the spirit of truth, we can easily get tricked by the enemy. And it usually comes out in fear or stress or anxiety. Often. It's one of those things. And so I just wanted to say for, I wanted to talk a little bit about Satan working in our lives as a fowler. It's something we came across in our Bible writing this week. I love the image. I mean, I hate the image, but I love the image of Satan as a bird catcher. That's what a fowler is. And I know nothing about bird catching. Um, my cats catch birds, and I hate it. I think it's stupid. They should catch mice. But um, a fowler knows how to catch birds, and there's all sorts of different types of traps they use depending on the bird they want to catch. And the same is true for Satan. He doesn't use the same trap on all of us. It often looks very different from from woman to woman, but he does know how to catch us in our minds. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, this is very poetic, see if I can say it right, Satan the fowler who betrays unguarded souls in a thousand ways. And so every day we wake up, and there's endless possibilities for the fowler to trick our minds. How did he trick Eve, the first one who was deceived? He twisted God's words and made her believe she could do it all without God's help, that she could get it right and independent of him. So the question that I have for you women is, what trap has the fowler set for you? I think each of us can probably think of something right off the hop where we get trapped in a day or where we get frustrated in a day or where we start to worry or we can't sleep. Um, Where are we stuck? Wherever we're deceived, we're going to end up walking in sin. That all sounds very discouraging, but Psalm 91 verse 3 says, He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And Psalm 124 verse 7, which is my new favorite verse, We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are free. The way of escape out of every single snare, even though they're all different for all of us, the way of escape is the same for all of us. And it's the next verse. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's trusting the spirit of truth. So we could look outside. The God who is speaking and holding the sun in the sky and telling the trees to live and give us oxygen right now, as long as those things are happening. Um, He's caring for me and he's caring for you in a million big and small ways every minute of the day. How dare I worry? Why am I settling for a life with one foot in a fowler's snare? So this week I encountered a mental trap that I've encountered before, and I couldn't shake, shake it free. Like, it, it was, I was going to Rob and I'm saying, this is impossible. Like, it's impossible for me not to be anxious about this. And it had to do with parenting Timmy, and um, Timmy has Down syndrome, for those of you who don't know, and it's a totally different type of parenting. Um, he's nonverbal, and... and He doesn't move along from thing to thing in life like your other kids do. So when you're in a season, it feels like it's going to last forever. And so I'm like, as long as we're in the season, I'm going to feel anxious. And Rob did a really good job of asking me some heart-probing questions. I got mad at him. (laughs) And he's like, you asked me to do this. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) thanks. (laughs) And then he prayed over me. And it was like, 
half an hour later, all of a sudden, I saw it. I saw the snare. The Lord just showed me what I was actually afraid of and how I didn't need to be afraid of it anymore. And it just broke. And it was totally that verse. Like, the snare is broken and we are free. So I just want to invite you, my ladies, to join me this week in asking for the spirit of truth to light our path. You know the most pro- like famous proverb is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. It's broken. <laughs> in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. So mom gut is good. The vibe sensors are good. They're probably just a mercy from the Lord, but um, it's not enough. And so we can easily be easy, we can easily be deceived by the sneaky, intelligent fowler. Psalm ninety-one verse four finishes this picture for us by saying that um, He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. So, Spirit of Truth is our friend. It's a great place to hide. And um, I liked how Lisa started by saying, "We're as free as we want to be." She's reminding us of that. And then. Lisa, you also said, whatever you trust him with, he will handle with care. So wherever that snare is, whatever that fear, anxiety, whatever it is, let's give it to Jesus, and let's be women who walk in the truth. Yeah. Wonderful. So I'm going to invite the team to come up, and let's meet with Jesus. Let's meet with the Holy Spirit. If anybody here would just really like to invite the Holy Spirit to come and be the truth teller in their mind and their soul, you're welcome to stand. If you just want to give God honor, you can stand. If you just want to stand, you can stand. But I really think we're at a wonderful time in our church where we're going to transition into something maybe that we've longed for for a long time, even if we haven't known it. I think God wants to move in in a way that we haven't had him in a bit. Like Lisa was praying this morning. Not the same as before, but better, necessarily. But let's trust Jesus by inviting the Holy Spirit to come and teach us the truth. Amen? So if you want to stand for this prayer, I'm going to pray for you. And Holy Spirit is here, and he's going to start his work. Holy Spirit, we submit to you as unto God, because that's who you are. And you love us. There is nothing false or deceiving in you. You've never lied. And you love us enough to bring us into truth. You tell us the hard things because you want to help us be free. And you tell us the good things because you want us to be strong in Jesus. So Lord, for everybody who's hungry here, I pray for all that sense of dread and fear to fall away in the presence of a loving God. Lord, there's some of us here who are just so afraid that you're going you're to say the thing to them that they never want to hear. You're rejected. But I want you to see afresh whatever that you fear most, Jesus already knows. The Spirit searched out your heart and he still brought you here this morning so that I could tell you in the name of Jesus, you are loved. There is hope. And if you put your trust in Jesus, there will be change. You are loved. There is hope. And if you put your faith in Jesus, there will be change. 